are listening to Africana Woman with Chulu. The Africana Woman is a live show that highlights our stories in our own words. We believe that to attract the lives that we truly desire, we must smash the culture of silence around the things that hold us back or keep us stuck. In our tribe, rest assured, you are not alone. The Africana woman is for you, by you, and about you, no matter where you are in the world. The Africana woman highlighted this week is Muma Senkala. Muma is a banking and finance professional with a passion for the arts, technology, and social impact. She has been recognized as one of the 100 Tech Up Women in the UK. She is a member of the Institute of Coding and she hopes to use her skills and influence by merging social impact and emerging technology to make an even wider impact in the lives of others. She is a board member on two charities promoting the use of technology and business skills for disadvantaged women. She's also collaborating with charities and social enterprises to create a platform that will bring global resources locally. She also creates, curates art events for contemporary African artists with a focus on raising their profile of the African artists worldwide. Today, we are talking about racism in Africa. It is a heavy topic, but I first wanted to celebrate with you because this is the season finale of the Africana Woman season one. Uh, I'm so excited that we made it here and I hope that you have found this to be valuable and thank you so much for coming back week after week to listen to the Africana woman. So let's dive in into our conversation around racism in Africa. I'm just a person who just really believes in enabling other people, specifically more importantly women. Uh, I know some men are going to say this is a tired argument. It's not, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, And I feel like the work begins in unlearning. That's my personal opinion. Once you start unlearning ideas that have been put in your head about what other women who become successful are like, you know, like the whole thing about if a woman is successful, mm-hmm. she's bitchy, she's never going to help you. That's not true. I want, when I get to a point where people deem success whatever that success may mean to them i want to be approachable i want somebody to be like do you know what that person enabled me just through their words the way they spoke to me they spoke to me with respect regardless of whether i was in a in a job which people deem as small or big or whatever they more importantly they empowered me to see that i can do anything if i just try and i feel like that's my purpose my purpose is to Mm. To there's that I think a saying that Muhammad Ali said like I'll be the spark or something like that that ignites many people and I believe that I feel that way even when I talk to people like and I feel like it's everyone's purpose probably you're a spark in different ways some people are spark in a quiet way some people are spark in mm-hmm. a loud way but it's in who you are and what you do and you can choose what you want to do with that and I want to 
yeah empower women a lot and men wherever you are I wanna yes we can do things yeah alrighty so I'm sure you have it's this last week has been very difficult and challenging. I'm sure you have not been able to avoid seeing uh, how our Black brothers and sisters in the United States are crying out, you know, with um, the recorded, I'd call it execution, of George Floyd mm-hmm. and um, Ahmad Aubrey. And just because they're recorded, but then there's so many other injustices that are happening. But because this has been recorded and has just spread all over the world like wildfire, it's basically brought a, it's brought a movement across the world of people rising up and just crying out for justice, but not only justice, change, Yeah. right? So one of the things that I thought it was important to talk about on this platform is racism in Africa. So we all know, and I know, you know, some of these conversations that we're going to be having are difficult and they are um, uncomfortable, but, you know, you need to have these conversations and be able to speak freely um, even if it's if, if even if you find it challenging, so don't think that this is also easy for me, <laughs> you know. But I am willing to have the conversation. So one of the things that um, that I, I have to acknowledge is that racism does exist in Africa, right? So we have all sorts of color, you know, colored people in in um in Africa you know you've got your um you've got your white people you've got your arabs you've got indians you've got a whole plethora of different types of people that come to Africa right and for me one of the problematic things is how like i literally shudder when i think okay here's an african he's got two degrees and he moves to, I don't know, another country, let's say Canada or the USA, and he's called an immigrant. Then here is a white person with, or any other, any other race, with no degree, comes to Africa, <laughs> and suddenly they're king. And they're called an expat. So in my opinion, just that term expat is racist. So I will not be using the word expat for that very reason. In my opinion, they are immigrants because they are they are basically moving to another country for whether it's, you know, basically to better their lives. Further their life. You, yeah, that you know, living in in Africa is actually quite ideal. We've got fresh air, we've got organic food, which doesn't come and uh, cost an arm and a leg. You know, there's a lot of benefits to living here, and that, and that's what people are moving here for. But Most here we call them expatriate gets paid triple or double that what they were earning where whatever country they're coming from. So the next part is coming from England, and they were a software developer. They were on forty thousand in 
England, they'll be on like an 80 in Zambia. That's the fact. And not only will they be earning that salary, their house will be paid Benefits. for, their car will be paid for, they get a bigger pension, mm -hmm. they get uh, stock investment. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I can't wait to be an expat in my own country. <laughs> Madness. You know, madness. I know. So you find that when people come here, one, they'll live in self-segregated communities. They don't socially interact with the natives of that country. You know, and I, I can think of situations where someone has literally lived in uh, an African country, so it can be in Zambia, for years, four years, but have never actually stepped through the door of a Zambian's house. No way. How can you say that? I'm telling you. You can't have been, because, you know, you've just got your, your, your circle, your social circle, and that's what you, that's the, the space that you stay in. Literally. You and see, then, that itself uh, is a layer of racism in itself, because either, even if you're doing it from a place of fear, like, oh, I don't know if they'll accept me, because that is genuine as well. Some people... They don't want, it. they're even coming from a place of like genuine, they don't want to offend to the extent where they mm. become offensive. Like, oh, I don't want to end up saying the wrong thing. Or if they eat very weird food, I don't want to have to say no because I know their culture is like, if you say no to food, then you're disrespectful. Do you get what I mean? So some people are being genuine, mm. but then their genuineness, these are some of the things that are coming up in this whole racist movement, the, the movement that we're talking about when we're talking about racism that mm -hmm. even your good intentions, you need to question them. You may think your good intentions are good, but ask yourself what they're truly rooted in. Accepting mm -hmm. of French food. Food, do you know what I mean? How is it that you're easily accepting of if you Chinese food or whatever other, you know, places that seem exotic in the world or, to, you know, the Western world? Why is it that you're so easily accepting of those things and you will be willing to dip your toe and try but when it so happens that you happen to come to africa the first thing that comes in your head is ill they eat with their hands i don't want to have to deal with that i don't want to have to say no but you're easily you're able to eat frog legs and foie gras which is like the most inhumane thing in my opinion you know what i mean but those are little things like that they're and that's another thing I feel. I think you need to ask me questions because I'm just going to go off on a tangent. But I think racism <laughs> is... Yeah. Racism is, is nuanced. It's very subtle. It's not. It doesn't yeah, come in one package. It is very, very subtle when it's in Africa. It's very, very subtle. And you you may not even realize it, but it's, it's, but it's there. You know, and one of the other, um, I mean, there's different levels and like you're saying, it's very subtle, but and I think one of the other main issues is hiring um, discrimination where we prioritize your own race as the voices that are experts. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you so mean what, by what that? Is your... Please explain. Mm? Last bit you just said. Explain. Yeah. Like, when you prioritize so your when races, you the people who are experts. What do you mean? You have a, a, an issue that that is in, let's say, um, let's say you want to do, uh, I would say, I don't know, 
you've got an IT issue, problem in your company. So now you've got the choice between a Zambian company or should I choose a, a let's say, a white-owned company? So your automatic... Hey, Sharon, how are you? Your automatic choice is to go for that. But this is from a white person's perspective, though, not from a Zambian just yet. But you'd over the black over the Zambian company, you'd say, well, the white one is probably more experienced, and that's the one that I should go with. There's a reason for that, but okay, yeah, okay, get it. Get what you're saying. <laughs> so, what are your experiences, though? Oh, what are awesome. your my experiences? Um, okay, personally. My experiences are not personal. Like, I think if I said that I've experienced that in Zambia, it would be very wrong of me because I left Zambia when I was 17. Um, and I haven't been, like, living in Zambia in a way that I've done business like that um, directly with, like, having to tender for tenders or things like that. So I can't say that I've seen it. But it's a cry of my, like, relatives who are close to me aunties, uncles, friends, constantly. You see it on Facebook all the time. Need I say more about what just happened in Lusaka with the Chinese guy actually telling a Zambian person, you know, no foreigners allowed. <laughs> Joke. But, you know, you see that behavior playing out in very little subtle ways than even more than what that Chinese guy did. Um... But I feel like the question you've asked is very complicated. It's twofold. I think. Mm -hmm. It's twofold because what you say, racism, it's both within Zambia, which is a bit like I could call it tribalism. Actually, even racism, because maybe even Zambians are racist against other races, but that's also another topic. You can't really be racist, per se, if you're the more oppressed. But yeah. Um, but the, the bigger topic, what you're saying... Um, that people who are from another country will get tenders. And also the people who then come into the country. So let's say I happen to be white British. Uh, I happen to come to Zambia. I'm doing well. I start a company. I'm also more likely to tender to people who are non-Zambian. Because, mm -hmm. because not just because it's my fault, because again, we like to blame white people sometimes, but sometimes it's our fault. Because we Zambians have created the culture and the environment that sustains that nonsense. Mm -hmm. Go to countries like Botswana. Mm -hmm. Botswana has an almost a zero zero tolerance for um, if a foreign person comes into the country. <laughs> there's rules that exist within Botswana. You cannot have a certain mm. percentage. You can never have more than a certain percentage. For example, if you wanted to buy a mine, you can never buy more than a Botswana. You can never own more than a when it comes to owning. So the the, prob the question then comes in, into how is a society in Zambia, how are they enabling bad behaviors? How are they creating opportunities for foreigners and for people who continually, not, I'm not saying like all foreigners are racist or it's just foreigners who are racist. I mean, how are Zambians perpetuating the bad behaviors themselves through their own little ideologies that entertain or create opportunities for foreigners to behave in that way? If Zambians emulate it like they were a good shining example, if a foreigner came, the truth is the foreigner will fall in line. Any of yeah. us go to China, 
and China has created that strict rule. We fall in line. These are the rules. This is how they work. That is what you you will behave in the appropriate way. You're not going to tender to somebody outside the country. You first tender to people within the country. Do you get what I mean? But then, then there's also the next level we can't fail to yeah. to say is that sometimes in the way we do business in Zambia, though, there's also something questionable. Not from a mm-hmm. corrupt perspective, but from an excellency perspective. Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. there's that idea that you have to question. You have to. You can't just say that people just want to tend to somebody else. What are we doing as well wrong that they don't want to tender to Zambians? Both mm-hmm. both parties, I feel, have to ask the questions. The person who's tendering yeah. to other people are my are my uh, reasons rooted in racism and in um, partiality. Like you're, you're impartial. You're not impartial. Um, and the Zambian people as well, how, how is our own behavior? What do we perpetuate and what could we do better? Hey sis, thank you for listening to Africana Woman with Chulu. This show is only possible because of your participation. These are your stories in your own words. There are actually two ways that you can be featured in the Africana Woman Network. You can either be a guest blogger on the Africana Woman blog or a guest speaker on the Africana Woman podcast. If any of these interest you, please contact me on africanawoman at gmail.com to learn more about the procedures to be approved. Now, back to the show. So one of the things that I actually wanted to focus more on is not so much what um, what other races are doing in terms of racism, but I do believe that we need to look at our stems and look at our behavior and see, like you've said, whether we are allowing racism to be perpetuated, Yeah, you know? So, for example, I'll give um, a few weeks ago, no, it's not a few weeks ago, let's say two, when this whole um, lockdown issue started, uh, I went to a, um, I went to buy vegetables from a store and I was literally the only person that was in that was buying vegetables and then a white lady walked in um so she started attending like the the attendant started attending to me then a white lady walked in and she put down my stuff and then started attending to this other woman and i was like and even the white lady was like no attend to her and she's like no no madam no madam and i'm I'm just like, no, because <laughs> the other white lady, because you know, the days where you just say, I don't want to have arguments here. <laughs> so the, the white lady said to her, like, attend to, to me, attend to her, uh, meaning me. And so then she, then um, the, the attendant says, no, her order is big. So uh, that's why I want to do yours because it's small. And then she looks at me. No, uh, I said, no, you've already started. Please go ahead. I I just, I just can't. The other lady left. And then I said to her, you know, what you did was not right. Oh, you it told just wasn't her. right. You told her. Yes. Good. And what did she mm-hmm. say? It's excuses. No, madam, because, but really, what what are you really saying? that you 
you've just valued, we are paying the same, we've got the same type of money. It's not like hers is more valuable than mine. My order was more, you know? So I'm paying more than this other woman, but you insist on treating that other person more special. So then my view on that is, Mm. It always goes back to the, uh, colonialism. Always, no matter which way you look at it, the roads always lead to colonialism. Um, many people, even though free on the outside, are shackled in their minds. And as Bob Marley said, "None but ourselves can free our minds." But then, when mm. you have to look at Zambia, the majority of people in Zambia. Um, they grow up in a very weird family way, you know. You, the the mm-hmm. the things that are considered important in a, most Zambian households have nothing to do with racism. Mm-hmm. It has nothing with teaching us the value of your importance in your own skin and in your own color because it's not mm-hmm. an issue. And yet we've got problematic conversations that happen even between our own old uncles, grandparents, still calling a white person Buana, things like that. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's also shown in the behaviors in that when you're light skinned or lighter skinned, your uncles and aunties will be sitting down and say, Oh, you're so beautiful, Urikasuma, Urikamsungu. Problematic. That's that sounds like so subtle and it's like such not even a big problem. But those are the roots that grow the trees that create a woman wanting to serve the white person over you. Do you understand? Like, Mm -hmm. that's just one small part. And because these issues are not actual issues within our homes or they're not spoken about at a young age, we then get to a place where we're older, we're 18, we're working, we're having our own car, driving your own car, you've worked hard, you've, you've got into a place where... You're doing whatever you're doing, paying your own bills, and you're in a shop and you're still treated less. And your and your parents, again, using the colonial system, drummed it into your head that if you work hard enough, you get a good degree, you go to a good school, you go abroad, study, and come back, you will be treated like a king. I mean, it's even seen even in just behaviors of when I talk to Zambian people, and they'll be like, I'm Zambian, like other Zambian people. And they'll be like, oh my God, Muma, your accent's changed so amazing and it makes me cringe it actually mm. it's not that i wanted to change my accent it's just one of those things that happen when you're around you know you you adopt whatever is around you and mm. to me it's such a shameful thing like when people compare it that same accent thing they compare it to msungu for me to feel like oh like it's a good thing but you're bl- you're literally stripping my blackness off and giving me mm. another race as a token so that I can feel good about myself. And those are the subtleties that we don't even realize the, the implications. Imagine a little kid, a little child, being shown or being talked to like that constantly from a young age. And then mm-hmm. you get to 20 years old, 25, 30, you're being served in a shop. The truth is that thing has been put in your head so so well. It's stuck very, very mm. well and nice that you don't even realize it or recognize it as a as a race issue. You think it's normal. It's mm-hmm. so big. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, I'll tell you what my solution is. And I think I spoke about it in our last so, life. But, yeah. yeah. But you know what I'm also thinking about, about? How, you know, if you've got a lighter skin, then it's like a sort of prize. But for some reason, 
at the same time, you people of mixed race are also kind of discriminated against yep. by, yeah, chance, by um, West Africans. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then it, it really shocks me. And I'm thinking, there you are bleaching your skin, but then you're shunning this person. Like, where do you think that comes from? Like, I, 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 I fail to understand that. Do you understand the level of trauma Africans have gone through? Yesterday, I made some a profound statement to a friend, which I think should be like Muma's quote. Yeah? I said something like, it's just hit me that there's no Black person in this world who's not traumatized. None. Mm-hmm. Not one Black person. Even if you grow up in a perfect family where everything's amazing, the trauma of your ancestors haunts you because you either see it in the news you see it in the behaviors, even in your own behaviors that you can't even explain. And this drove me two years ago to do some research. And I found this lady, American professor, she decided to do the study. Uh, it's called epigenetics. And this, the, mm-hmm. the idea of epigenetics is that we can inherit trauma. She was refuted for so mm-hmm. many years when she kept on going on about how, uh, you know, the reason why black people behave how they behave. They've inherited a lot of trauma through slavery, through colonization whether you grew mm-hmm. up in a good family or not, and this should be researched. And she was able to show the direct parallels of um, the poverty mentality, also the idea that a lot of Black people in the Bronxes, it was infiltrated in their minds to that extent, that we're still suffering traumas and we don't even know how to deal with them. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And then we just cover them up in culture, tradition, and things like that. You know, we keep putting a Band-Aid on, there's so many band-aids on in different ways and we're not, a lot of us never get the chance to heal because we rarely have conversations like this in our households, you know, between our lovers, between friends that are so open. And so mm-hmm. healing maybe ends up happening when you're older and you're reflecting and you decide to do the healing yourself. But even when you get to that point, a lot of the time, a lot of people are not willing to do that because healing requires pain and it requires you to revisit the past and not enough people are willing to do that that is also why i believe it's a very big myth within africa that going to a therapist is a bad thing because we're just most of the time unwilling to do that healing work very the real the real healing work you can say you talk to your aunties and all that but it's different it's different the things i'll say to my auntie and to my mom are different to what i will say to somebody who i consider a safe space because it's not even about friendship mm-hmm. so um i think a lot of the times one you don't know what you don't know yeah. <laughs> and you know you don't know if you're, you're traumatized you don't know if you have a bias towards um other races or i'll say more specifically white race mm. right so what what do you think can you give like some examples of situations where, you know, if you found yourself in a situ- in that situation and you behaved in a way, then maybe you should examine your, your thoughts or beliefs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll give you an example. Um, the schools in, um, I live in Zambia. So the schools in Zambia, so the ones which are thought to be, um, very good and very um, prestigious are the ones that have white teachers. 
So when those white teachers when leave, like one teacher, oh my goodness, the standards have gone down. Really? Really? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh my goodness. I mean, my um, my mother uh, was a teacher and um, between her and another teacher um, at my primary school, they are the teachers when I meet uh, people who went to that school, so old classmates and even people from other grades. Those two teachers, if you hear Missy, Miss um, Miss Mulenga, those are the ones that people remember the most, right? Those are the ones that made the most impact. But when a white person left, oh, the standards have gone down. Hmm. See what I mean? Oof, that's so deep. Like, we need to really assess... Do you know, to me, it keeps going back to what I'm trying to tell you, Trulu. Mm -hmm. In Zambia, we don't even recognize it as a problem because we refuse to recognize it as a problem. We refuse mm -hmm. to even know. because, And also, somehow, you can't blame Zambians because at this moment in time, what's the biggest issue in Zambia? Electricity is off, right? Mm -hmm. What's the other biggest issue in Zambia? Oh, you know... I'm not earning enough money, such that an issue like that is not even an issue. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. people are struggling to do the basics of the basics. How do we start bringing up, not that they're not important, but how do we, how do we find a way to create this into, like, uh, within our homes? Do you know what I mean? Within, what, how do we find a way to make this a conversation so that people know mm -hmm. about it? So that people are aware that we do this thing because, you know, there are times, for example, when as you're growing up, your friends will be like, oh, Muma, when you date this person, you know, you change. You may not be aware that you do. But when a person calls you out, you'll be like, oh, my God, I didn't know. Or, you know, you speak this way when you're around a certain group of friends, you know, you may not even recognize that you do because sometimes we mimic mm -hmm. behaviors and then you realize, oh, actually, I do. But the point of that is you, you're given a choice then. In that moment, you're given a choice to do something differently in the next opportunity that you get because you'll be able to recognize it. But mm -hmm. right now, Zambians can't recognize it because nobody calls it out, because nobody sees it as an issue. It's not an issue. It's not a thing. We think that our behaviors and our traumatic way of responding to things, I call it traumatic because we have so much trauma, so many projections that it's not normal. Um, like I say to you about the same skin color thing, like, to look at a person who's light skin and say you look like Kalai and Deke. That's so messed up. Like, who even <laughs> says that? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not normal to see a white person and call them a buana <laughs> or a boss. Even if the person is lower than you, the automatic response of some Zambian people is they'll see a white guy and they'll be like, oh, that boss, what? What if you're like way more educated than that person or way more, how has he become, how has he become or she become your boss? you know and we need to question those things but i feel like it will be an unlearning and a, a big unlearning has to happen of course at the moment we've got the movement and the awakening happening but mm -hmm. a big unlearning within africa is required um mm -hmm. i feel personally that the unlearning will be both within homes and within schools because that's where the the most time is spent and I personally feel for the older generation, we're a bit like, I'm sorry, forget about that. Go to the younger generation. Tell them mm. how to treat themselves better. Tell them how to value themselves when they're growing up. Target women. I say target mm. women. 
the women are the mothers. Our cultures are centered around mothers and how they teach their kids. Your aunties, your, uh, you know, your... And even though men definitely have a very big role to play, but those men are only as good as the women that raise them. They're influenced by the mothers who raise them, the aunties, the conversations they see, mm-hmm. the way they see their mother treat herself, the way they see their mm-hmm. mother who's light-skinned treat her darker-skinned sister. You know what I mean? The little subtle conversations mm-hmm. that I had in the living room about how this neighbor was cheating with who, he left his wife for a colored girl. Do you get what I mean? And now that colored girl has got a child by that same man. And that child is also now, they'll even say things like that child's confused. Do you get what I mean? Mm. We we literally then start creating racism on top of our, like, racism within ourselves. And how does that man then grow up? How does his psyche, like, how does he grow up? And how does he view women? How does he view himself? Like, it's a very complex conversation. But I feel Mm -hmm. when you've, created a system that educates the women within this where we're having conversations like this other young girls while they're in schools right now can watch lives like these and think differently it the Mm -hmm. idea that you're given the chance to just think something different from what you know is everything in my Mm -hmm. opinion because it allows you so i think what you know yeah, I think one of the the things that that COVID has brought is this call from a lot of governments to say, okay, um, local is laka, buy local. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, let's focus on us promoting our local products. But we live in a society where people just they're always outward looking. Always the best is out there. They always want to buy. Um, that so in the Zambian context, let's say buy a South African pro- pro- project over uh, a Zambia, mm. you know what I mean? It's always outward looking. That one is better. That one, the grass is always greener on the other side. So for us to, I think for us to have a a real shift in in that area, <laughs> yeah, it definitely needs to start from us as individuals and then the family level and then it goes on going up into the community and into the systems and the government Uh, but I feel like it can never go into the family level without being individual never you can't Mm -hmm. teach something you don't believe because your kids will just smell the BS do you get what I mean you can't it's going to be impossible for you to teach something that you do not believe. But an unlearning has to happen, Chulu. A big unlearning mm-hmm. has to happen of how we see ourselves more importantly than mm-hmm. anything. I feel like as Zambians, colonialism duped us. We apparently got free in 1964. Um, and people assume that being free, being told that you're free is actual freedom, but it's not because... What people don't see is, look at America. 400 years ago of slavery and black men are being lynched in the street today. People thought that just because um, an Emancipation Act was signed, that even in England as well, like people like to think that in England there's no racism. England emancipated slaves even earlier than America's. But to today, black people still feel the effect of what racism is. 
you know? And this is what I say to people, like, one of the most complex things is being an immigrant because you feel everyone's pain. You're no longer just in the bubble in which you grew up, just dealing with Zambian problems. You're both countries, wherever you go, however many countries you're, you're, you're like resident in or, or citizenship in, you, 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 your identities are created by the environments that you are. And that's the point. Our identity as Africans has been marred by a lot of the ideas that, that were taught to us. And we were, it was ingrained within us that we needed to always look outward. It was in, that's how colonialism happened. We were not just colonialism. And also independence. Yeah, that's what Mama, I'm And also independence, you know? Like, we always have to have our hand out. Like, please, save me, help me, give me. So basically, always that's how colonization happened. Yeah. Colonization happened in such a such a way that you were then subdued and made to believe that you needed the person colonizing you, that you needed that mm-hmm. help, that actually it is not you who has the resources, it is I, the person colonizing you, who has to help you with those resources, then you'll be better. And even though we became you know, emancipated and we became free in 1964 in Zambia, we fail to stand on our own, but I try to get them to understand that forgiveness cannot happen. You can't forgive, you, you cannot happen if you can't forgive yourself. You first have to understand that we first need to forgive our ancestors and we need to forgive ourselves. I don't think that mm. our ancestors were just sitting about and waiting to be colonized and selling us. That's one of the biggest um, lies that has been told to Africans that our parents, our ancestors, our grandparents, who the hell would just sit around when you've seen somebody coming to kill you? What people do not know is even some of those same chiefs, lower chiefs, who did end up selling our ancestors, they just didn't do it on purpose. Their children were being raped in front of their eyes. Their families being killed. It was a last resort. They they could do nothing but sell whoever needed to be sold. And in reality, when either of us are put in a spot where it comes to the life or death of somebody you love, That is when Mm -hmm. you would see the true nature of who you are. Would you really die die for your fellow man who's not your family? Mm -hmm. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's a very, it's a much more complex story than what people make it out. Us as Africans and Black people in the whole world as well, we carry a subtle anger that we don't talk about towards our ancestors. Mm -hmm. And... And then that same subtle anger is reflected in our own behavior as well, which is then internalized as hatred, self-hatred, which we don't even see, you know. Growing up young, oh my goodness, I have to talk about this. I'm thinking my nose was so big because I was bullied about it at school. And so I would always sit there in the mirror doing this, pinching. I didn't, it's only now that I thought about it. Like I'll be pinching my nose so that my nose could be maybe sharper because my mom's got a sharp nose. And people always used to say, Mm. well, your mom's got like, a western person's nose you know things like that and some people may think that that was just like something small but actually look at how messed up it actually without even thinking even though it hasn't affected me now but it took when i think of it now as an adult that was an issue that's and that's messed up that i even thought mm-hmm. that my nose is too big my lips are too big my hair is too coarse i want to straighten it i even straightened it i remember going <laughs> coming back home one day I had straightened my hair and it was completely blonde and my mother wanted to kill me she literally told me 
to stay outside and she said I'm gonna sleep outside <laughs> I was outside I came back home about four o'clock and I was outside until like nine or ten o'clock at night oh wow <laughs> yeah she's like, like a grown woman now that's what she told me as black parents are you know but mm. anyway they let me in the house that's <laughs> the point but I at that moment when I asked myself why did I do that it's because of what I was seeing on TV I thought blonde was beautiful and straight hair was better and even I've and I've never ever confessed that to anybody before or to myself and it's only now I'm realizing why did I need blonde hair because I, I didn't even really look good in it you know I hate mm-hmm. flaxing my hair because it will always burn my scalp you know I used to have those scabby things. It used to hurt. It, it was annoying. Even if I go to the salon, I've got the most sensitive scalp. You know, mm. all those little subtleties. And these are the subtleties that we talk about. And what I'm trying to say is when you go back to our history, we've internalized things even for our ancestors in advance. And then we come along and we hear stories and we kind of hate them a bit because we think, oh, how does somebody just come and tell you in your own land? Because now also as well, there's the idea that we think we're woke now. Information, mm. the fastness of information on the internet makes us feel that we're woke and we could have done different, could have done better. How do you just allow somebody to do that? Then there's that anger that we carry and we carry that anger and then we see it in our own behaviors. Then we behave towards ourselves first. Forget about other people. There's a saying that I read that said something like, if you if you realize that almost everything every kind of anger that a person uh, charges towards you has nothing to do with you, if you realize that that they're projections that have nothing to do with you, you would not waste your energy responding or giving a reaction to them. I was like, wow, that's deep. That's so true. A lot of the time, if I come at you angry, it's deeper than just me being angry at you. There's an issue or something that's happened in that day or to me that's triggered or something you say that's triggered that moment you know okay so that is actually part one of our conversation on racism in africa for you to listen to the second half please tune in next week and i hope that you enjoyed this conversation with muma these are my top three takeaways so far Number one, African countries have systems that continue to perpetuate racism. Number two, every African is traumatized by racism. We just don't recognize it. Number three, for us to get over colonialism, we must forgive ourselves and then forgive our ancestors. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, Google, Snitcher, Pandora, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please click that subscribe button. You will be helping us so much if you first subscribed, gave us a five-star rating, and then reviewed the podcast. We love to hear your thoughts and, you know, what did you think about this episode? I also love talking to you. So please find me on social media at Chulu by Design or come on over to the Africana Woman Tribe. We have a Facebook group and we dive deeper into these topics. So see you next week for part two of this conversation around racism in Africa. Remember, my hope is that you love yourself laws and all and attract the life that you desire. 
This has been a production of Ulendo Creative Media. You can find out more about their services on www.ulendocreative.com.